0: This is Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Let's go Let's
1: get yourself going, man.
0: put on some cleated jig dancing shoes or something like that it's leprechaun lunch sports radio 960 wsbt it is brought to you by the fine folks at legacy heating and air ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today also by south Bend orthopedics trusted in the community for over 75 years You okay? You doing okay? Like, this week seemed a little, uh, or at least started off, started off a little rougher than, uh, than a lot of other weeks have in the past. Like, Saturday, like, you know, know, we good? Everybody good? Okay. I don't mean on, like, some sort of acquaintance level, you know, you know. You could come walking into this room, I have no idea who you are, but uh I, I mean like you know, up up in the head, up you know psychologically. I know the I know the ending of that game sucked on a multitude of levels. <laughs> Did you listen to the post game show? You never want your team to lose like that. I don't anyway. If my team's gonna lose, I would so much rather have them get their doors blown off. Early, or maybe at halftime—one of the two. I'd rather have it happen earlier, though, so that you know I can I can just change the channel. I can prepare myself mentally. You know, at least start that. I don't want it to happen in like the last seconds of the game. You know what I mean? Baseball game, like like I hate it when the Mets lose in the bottom of the ninth. Hate it. This, kind of multiply that by like 10. Not going to get too, too deep into it, okay? Not not terribly deep. We, we all know what happened. We all know how it happened, too, and it sucked. It all got burned into our collective unconsciousness because the, there have been plenty of us in the media that have made it a point to remind everybody of it all week long, I know I can't, I, I know I kind of kept rehashing it on, uh, on Monday in, in my news reports. I, I, I get that. You know, the sports updates in the morning. I get that. Kind of have to. It's kind of the elephant in the room. You kind of have to give some context to it. There you go. So I'm not without, you know, some responsibility in all of it. Maybe I contributed to the tone of the week. You know, setting, setting that tone for the entire week. The thing is, for me, though, I stopped mentioning the gory details at every chance by Tuesday. All right, there was Saturday night where both Reggie and I were just like,
2: what, what happened? What?
0: I mean, it just happened. We had We had no idea how to react to that. I didn't know what to say for, like, the first five minutes of the, of the post-game show. Reggie then, you know, he, we got connected, you know, online and whatnot, and, uh, and and he didn't know what to say either. He was in the same boat I was. And Reggie's been in a few games, you know, where, where things get lost in the last seconds and all that. He didn't know what to say to it. So for, like, the first ten minutes of that post-game show, we were just alternating between mumbling, ah, what happened? And then just flat out silence. I apologize if, if that's how if that's if that's like the first thing that, that that you heard after that game as you were getting in your car, you know, heading home or whatever. Sorry. We were kind of just like you though. We were all just kinda of like, huh, what? Huh? And then I listened to Marcus Freeman's press conference on Monday. And that's when I kind of realized it was time to move on. Because it was time to move on. It was time to turn the page. We we all needed to turn that page. There were some, though. Kind of demanded that we continue talking about it all freaking week. I know that, you know, the... The words "only ten men on the field" and why didn't they take the penalty? I know those are all spicy and you know and make for great talking points, especially in the moment. Heck, I was asking I was asking those questions on Saturday night. I'll admit it. Just like everything else, there's a shelf life to those things. And only ten men on the field. And why didn't they take the penalty and whatever else you want to throw into that basket? That got really stale really quick. There's times when it's okay to move on quickly. I've, I've, I've come to realize this uh, through my travel. It's okay to let some things go really quick. No need to dwell on them. Saturday night, Sunday, we were all kind of licking our wounds, and, and and that's fine. It continued, you know, into Monday morning. I know my Monday morning, I was, I was still kind of in a fog from that game. But it needed to be done Tuesday. It needed to be finished Tuesday. Just done. The, the variations on... What happened during that final play? Ugh. Jesus. Besides, it's not like they're not in the hunt for a college football playoff spot anymore. Like, that's still there. Is it a little harder now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it's harder. You know, a team that vaulted itself into the number 4 spot in in the latest AP poll. You know, once again sitting in your way. But it wasn't like it was a terrible showing. Like this year this year's version of Ohio State and Notre Dame was a hell of a lot more exciting than last year's. I'll say that. Regardless of uh you know whether whether or not it came down to the final seconds or not. Like I said, a little harder to get to to the playoff, but it's still there. It's just it's it's just a little harder now. This week, especially, it was going to be hard anyway. Like I like I almost kind of feel like we've completely <laughs> like we're just stuck in the past right now. You know, like just stuck in neutral, just revving the engine and going nowhere. Duke's a really good football team. In case you haven't heard, Mike Elko has made Duke football relevant, if not for like the first time ever, then at the very least, the first time in a very long time. That wasn't an accident that they beat the tar out of Clemson earlier this month. That was. That was straight up Duke being better than Clemson. They were the better team they've been the better team this season. You know, they're 4-0, they're, you know, just 1-0 in the ACC, but I mean, it's a heck of a win in the ACC beating Clemson like that. But still 4-0, you know, you're up there with Florida State, you're up there with uh uh with Louisville, you know, for the uh for the for the conference league. I mean, it's it's a really good team. They're still beatable, too. Duke's pass defense, no. Nah. It's kind of how I would describe it. Just yeah. Their run defense, wow. They got a front four, a front seven. They can do some things. That run defense is stout. The pass defense, though. Yeah. So, because they have a good run defense, does that mean that Audric Estime can't go out and run over guys, and hurdle guys, and fly over people in the fourth quarter like he has been all season? No, not a bit. In fact, if the, you know, it, it's a pretty simple formula here. If the Irish want to take advantage of the pass defense, then some good runs up the middle—that's gonna do it. Going to knock him in the team. It's going to give you like at least a couple more, you know, one, one or two more seconds to get a big pass playoff as the game goes on. Because you got to play the pass now if you're Duke. Some good runs up the middle will do that. Some some good runs outside too. That'll also do. it. we, we saw the return of the four headed running back monster last week. That's always a welcome sight in my book. Always. They just need to utilize that, you know, pretty much early and often, like from the jump. And they've been doing a pretty good job of that all season long. To to be perfectly honest, it's not it's not like they got. It's not like they got themselves caught into a rut where they're. Where they're passing early, and you know, then then some things happen, and now you know the passing game isn't working, and ergo the running game also isn't working, like has happened in the past. And sure, Deion Colsey, Matt Salerno, they're they're out with injuries this week. A little longer than this week, too. Makes the wide receiver room a little bit thin. A little bit too thin, actually, for my liking. Just, they're down to five guys. But, that's a pretty solid group of five. That's a really solid... uh, Oh, yeah, Jaden Thomas also out. (laughs) Lest I forget... But the, that room has some freshmen that have really come to play in their first season in South Bend too. I really like, like there were highly touted receivers coming in, but they've really, they've really impressed the crap out of me. Quite honestly, <laughs> just wow. Typically, you don't see freshman receivers, you know, getting that getting that kind of play. You don't you don't see uh, you know freshman running backs, you know, too often getting that play either really is a new era in this town. Also, you know, there's that guy named Mitchell Evans who, you know, just might happen to be turning into Michael Mayer right before our eyes. (laughs) Some of the catches he's made this season, including, you know, that, that one catch that he had against Ohio. Holy crap, man. He had no business catching that, but he did. Could be turning into Michael Mayer right before ours. As long as Holden stays doesn't beat him to it. I mean, I'd I'd, I'd have to put, you know, I'd have, to, I'd have to put Evans in that one spot first and then, you know, stays in the second spot. Merely because I just, I I haven't seen Holden stays make a catch that made me go, holy crap, he caught that? Not yet, anyway. I'm not, I'm not holding out hope. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just haven't seen it yet. Passing game's going to be fine. Hopefully it's going to be able to exploit the Duke pass defense, which will open things up for the run game, which of course means time of possession is going to work in our favor as well. And suddenly, you know, number 17 Duke. All of a sudden, they, you know, they got that... They got that one in the loss column so I think the Irish win this one uh, 20, 28 21 like it'll be close you know like like they'll they'll need to be on on their top game you know it is a top 25 team but um, you know they'll 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 come out of they'll come out of Durham with a win which will hopefully get everybody shutting up about
3: what are you gonna do to avoid 10 men on the field
0: <sighs> what's the plan ten men on the field is a phrase that I can I can I can go years without hearing ever again just between you and me so I think Notre Dame's gonna win what kind of a bet Am I going to place for that game? I got that coming up in a little bit. Also, uh, some uh, you know, look at some pro games too. Uh, some more of the college uh, schedule as well. All coming up. Uh, we'll uh, we'll hear from uh, from Marcus Freeman his Thursday uh, media availability. Uh, we'll replay. Uh, we'll replay that. Also, how are the coordinators doing? Like how how did they do this week? How are they doing? You know earlier. They okay? We'll find out. It's all part of Leprechaun Lunch. Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch rolling on tomorrow... Our game day coverage gets underway starting at 1 o'clock. Got a a repeat of Wake Up the Echoes, and then uh, at 2, we've got uh, Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and myself. Leading things right off at 2 o'clock with uh, a little record holder, uh, Ian Book. Maybe you've heard of him. Ian Book going to be joining us at the top of uh, Legacy Heating and Air Game Day tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Then Darren, Eric, and Tyler all have the uh, all the last uh, minute analysis that you need before kickoff with game day sports beat starting at uh, starting at four o'clock. That of course presented by Bud Light and the network kicks in, and then hopefully I've got my fingers crossed here. Reggie and I will be along. Not going. What the hell happened. With the official Notre Dame football post-game show, that's all tomorrow. So uh, getting getting started, you know, early in the afternoon, and going late into the night, like uh, like we're going to have to get used to for the next month. In case you didn't, uh, in case you didn't hear, Louisville also a seven thirty kickoff, and then USC a seven thirty kickoff, and then thank God the bye week is finally here. One of two though, so that's always plus. that's always a plus. I wonder where like Clemson, I think, is the only game left that hasn't announced a time. That and Stanford, I guess. Um I wonder where that Stanford game is gonna fall on the schedule. Is that gonna be is that gonna be an afternoon game? Is that gonna be a noon kickoff? Is that gonna be a seven thirty kickoff? Where where's that gonna go? not I'm not, <laughs> not sure. Not sure even the uh, the folks at Clemson know quite honestly um, yesterday before getting on a plane and heading to uh heading to Durham, North Carolina, Marcus Freeman talked with the media uh here is that conversation starting with our very own Tyler horca
2: hey coach I'll just get the uh, injury question out of the way right away. What is Jaden Thomas's status for this weekend?
0: you know I'll still say he's
3: questionable um Probably questionable, doubtful because he hasn't practiced yet this week. Um, he's been running, just trying to to see how his hamstring is going, but he hasn't been able to go full speed. So, not rolling him out yet. But we got to see what he can do today, and maybe a little bit tomorrow. The, the thing about it being a night game, you know, we'll see how it really heals. But he has not practiced um, full speed this week.
2: And that being the case with him not practicing, what does that look like at the wide receiver position? You anticipate. Obviously running with the guys that you've been running out there, but anyone else may be stepping up, Braylon James or, or even Jordan Faison.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, Braylon's been practicing with the, you know, the, the offense and is, is continuously doing a really good job of getting better and better, um, you know. So uh, we'll see, you know, if, if, you know, his role increases. But, um, you know, I think we, we still have a, a plan to use those guys that we've been playing. Um, A lot and uh, um, we'll see if that determines if Raymond's
0: going to play at all or not.
2: We'll go next to Tim O'Malley.
0: Coach, I'm staying with the wide receivers. Uh, You entered the season with three guys that would be considered veterans at the position. Um, All three could be out in Salerno, Colsey, and Jaden Thomas. How have you seen the freshmen respond and can Chris Tyree now, you know, six games into the position, can he take on a little bit greater role in the offense to help the passing game?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's a guy that will, with, with Jaden maybe being out, he, he's had an increased role this week and um, a guy that could play outside if we need him to. So, you know, those freshmen have all done a really good job of progressing with, with Rico and, and uh, Jaden Greathouse and, uh, you know, Braylon from where he started to where he's at now has done a really, really good job.
2: We'll go next to Pete Sampson.
0: Marcus, uh, I was interested in Gibran Payne being like your sort of best short yardage back. Because um, I think we think of short yardage backs as guys that look more like Audrick Estame. What What is it about Gibran that makes him sort of uh, good in that role?
3: You know, I think the biggest thing about Gibran is he's so dependable. Um, you know, very few errors uh, on his part. And um, he is a guy that's consistent. You know, and and all those things that I think builds a lot of trust in coaches. And so, um, you know, he's done an excellent job of really just building that trust and really doing exactly what your coaches want you to do. And so ultimately, a lot of times in those short yardage situations or those really important moments, um, you're gonna put guys in there that you truly trust. Now, that's not saying we don't trust the other guys, but I think that's just more credit to Gibran and the job he's done in practice at really being detailed in terms of his job, uh, job assignments.
2: We'll go next to Tim Priester.
4: Marcus, you said you had a familiarity with Mike Elko uh, during your days in the Mac the the previous four years before he got there last year they were minus forty four in the previous four years in uh, turnover margin they're plus sixteen last year and plus five this year is there a is there a common thread that uh, uh that runs through his defenses that allows them to be so consistent in taking the football away
3: yeah I think you know they're they're really sound in terms of what they do defensively um you know, the ability to have eyes on the quarterback and eyes on the ball and the ability to really um, when you're sounding what you do and your players truly understand what, what you're asking of them, they can really study routes and study splits and, and, and those type of things. And so um, they're a really good group. And I think you look at that turnover margin and, and one it's credit to their offense, right? And not not turning the ball over a lot. And uh, two, um, their defense plays really hard. And um, when you play really hard and you're sound, um, those opportunities really come your way.
2: Next, we'll have Eric Hansen.
3: Hey, Coach, I got a couple for you. The first
1: one is, as you kind of go through the week like this, how do you measure and gauge whether your team is getting your messaging about, you know, having the right mindset. My second question has to do with a couple of players that have just not um, been with you yet in a game situation. Are you getting to the point with Eli Reardon and Nolan Ziegler
3: where this looks more probable that they'll redshirt? No, 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 not at all. Um, you know, Eli it was is practicing with us now and um, really gaining the confidence that uh, – um, he needs to be ready to go, and so um, we have plans for him as long as there's no setbacks to be ready to roll next week, and it was good for him. To, this week was about trying to get in football shape, and um, it, it's, it's a lot easier said than done when you haven't really um, taken meaningful reps throughout the first couple of weeks of the season, and so he really has done a good job this week of trying to you know, get that um, the win that it takes to 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 you know really sustain the things we ask him to do um, as a tight end. But uh, it, he's trending really in the right direction. And Nolan, it was great to have him back out there this week. Um, he, he's progressions into some scout team and uh, you know individual drills, and um, he's on a track to to return. Um, and so, again, as long as there's no setbacks with those individuals, both of them, I could see. You know, Eli for sure. Um, hopefully, next week could see him in there. And then with Nolan, we'll see how you know at the end of this week how he continues to progress. But he is really trending in the right direction. And then the, oops. And then the question about the psyche, how you gauge that? Oh yeah, just. You know, I really you evaluate a couple of things, right? Is that's practice, right? And and are they practicing um, with the intentionality that you're looking for? And um, we've had two really really good practices, spirited practices, really um, attention to details, and those things that we look for that that tell you, hey, if, if we are lacking focus, it'll show up in practice. And so um, I'm really pleased with the way these guys have really focused on um, really improving the way we practice, improving. Um, you know, again, our overall team. And that's the, the the message has been like every week we have to get better. Well, how do we get better? We got to understand where we're at and what we have to do to get better and then go do it on the practice field. And so, um, and the other part has continue to preach the right message to them, continue to say the right things to them because – you know, there is noise everywhere, right? And, and we got to make sure that the noise we're saying and the message we're driving as a coaching staff is so loud that our players really focus on that and understand it in the midst of hearing other things and, and paying attention to other things. And so um, I feel really confident um, going into a Thursday of where the, the mindset of this football team is.
2: We'll go next to Jack Sobel.
3: Hey, Coach Freeman. Uh, on, on DJ
2: Brown, we talked to him for a while. i uh, on Tuesday, uh, and you know, he, he sounds like someone who's really you know ready to ready to bounce back from uh, from Saturday. I'm I'm curious, like how he's been with that behind the scenes, and you know, what what kind of veteran presence and leader on, on their on our defense is he?
3: Um, DJ's uh, uh, a great player for us, um, a great leader, um, and as a guy that takes accountability for for his mistakes, and and you know, I, I want all of our players to have that same mindset as DJ um, in terms of that we own our mistakes and we, we really attack them and we fix them. And, you know, it doesn't affect the way we prepare this day for the next uh, opportunity we have. And so DJ is 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 almost like a version of a quarterback out there, you know, and, and he helps with the communication, gets people lined up. And uh, we are a better defense because of DJ Brown and having him on his team and, and on the football field. We'll
2: go next to Sean Stires.
3: Marcus, I'll throw one more injury slash receiver question at you. You talked about Dion Colsey earlier in the week having the scope. Has he had the scope and is his prognosis any different now? Uh no, it actually happens today. He's getting uh he's getting his knee scoped today. And then uh we'll have a meeting with the doctors to see, you know, we have an idea of, of, you know, what is wrong with his knee. It's just that we gotta get him to feel better. And part of that is to you know, scope and clean it out. And so, uh, um, you know, I think it's going on now, maybe I think it's, it's happening as we speak. And so, um, we want him to get rest and, and, and start his rehab process and then we'll reassess where he's at mentally and, and physically, um, when the time, when the time comes.
0: So that's Marcus Freeman yesterday, a little bit different vibe than, uh, than Saturday night and Monday. I will say that, uh, Here's his uh, two coordinators, first Jared Parker, then Al Golden.
2: Coach, what did you just kind of learn about your offense on Saturday?
4: Well, I think, um, you know, I'm reminded and, and we're reminded as a staff um, what warriors we have on our offensive side of the football and then this entire football team. Um, the way our guys grinded, um, what they went through to perform um, relatively overall, very well playing a, in a very um, huge environment. What an environment that was for this place. Um, It it was magical, it really was, and couldn't be more proud of our guys. Um, We're all disappointed, but you still be very proud of who you're around, who you're with, and who you fight with every day, even in times of struggle. And and that's what we are as a staff, that's what I am as a coordinator. Just proud of our guys and, and believe in even more in them as to what we can continue to grow to be. That's the truth.
2: And then with JT and Colsey banged up, I guess, does that promote Braylon James up to varsity? And what have you kind of seen from him this fall?
4: Yeah, Braylon's still growing. He's in a growing process, right? It's a bumpy road getting better, and he's done a great job. He's really taking steps and improving in practice the last couple weeks. Um, he's continuing to mature and be in that process as he learns how to take meaningful reps, and we'll continue to help him get there.
5: Coach, how, um, I guess when you look at what Andre am be the game, you say, is it just dis- how, I guess, to out work is how uh, satisfying, I guess, is it to say, I can take Archer Nesbitt out the game and nation's leader rusher and throw in Devin Forge, Ron Payne, Jeremiah, you know, and still get positive yards against a really good defense?
4: Yeah, uh, great defense. And we believe in our guys, you know, and we think that really the efficiency and What Odd has done this year along with the rest of our our backs is because we've been able to keep them fresh, to keep them rested, to keep hits off them that are unnecessary and sometimes they are necessary, but um, our guys have been able to rotate each other and stay fresh and we've been very efficient and it's also allowed us to attack people different ways. Everybody has different skill sets in that room and it's our job as a staff to continue to find ways to put them in the best spots that they can be the most efficient. And uh, Deedlin's done a great job with that group and our run game and how we attack it with our staff has done that. We have to continue to do it because that's how we start.
5: And then the uh, moving on to Duke, uh, facing another defensive minded coach, a guy who was at D.C. here and at Texas a now. You know, What are your thoughts going into this game? Uh, what are you seeing that you like? Uh, yeah, uh,
4: well, it's a ton of respect for them. You know, it's right back to, to attacking a top five defense. Um, they're great at every level of their defense up front second level at backer they back in the two special players back there that rotate and make fits for them um, they show up on tape everywhere coming from the roof and blitz fits and all those things so tremendous amount of respect it's a tough challenge on us again um, and you know no rest there's no rest time for us we have to get prepared make sure our guys are ready to go because this is gonna be a tough task down there.
5: Uh, emergency. Mitchell Evans, you know, how he played in that game. Not, I guess he worked, not he for the, most of us, but probably for the world, but um, how you played in that game and big catches he late in the game.
4: Yeah, um, would be no surprise to us here in what we know. Maybe some to, to that don't, but have high expectations for him. Um, I think it would be fair to say he's played an extremely high level this year. Sometimes the ball doesn't find you in game plans, um, and that, that's unfortunate sometimes because you try to find ways and then it does and when it does you can see how special he is but he's really showed up in his run fits and how he's played for us this season um, to date and really proud for him and it was good to see him show up on a big stage
2: what challenges does that two-back set present defenses
4: well if you think about it a lot of things there's a lot of things that are all found in game plans for a defense on back alignments and those things so just in it's very easy fundamental core like when you add a back into that it's kind of it makes the things more challenging on how they fit you and how they can line up to the back. So at its very least, I think it's just a, a thing that helps you with two backs to be able to find different ways to mess with their fits and hopefully make it harder, um, especially when you're trying to prepare for guys who are really good, and that's, uh, that's who we, they are here too. I
5: asked coach last one question. Okay. I asked Coach go to this, but what goes through the process of your, mm-hmm. your head when you're? Reading the defense and you making a snap call and say this is a, uh you know offense completed going to run right now based on what I'm seeing on the, on the
4: field. Yeah, you're talking about me up top. Yeah, it's tough. You get you get a little time. That clock starts on forty pretty quick, right? So you're trying to be ahead of it. You got to be. It's like it's a it's a quick game of chess. You got to be out in front of things and have plans. And you're trying to rely on what you put on the call sheet, what you've worked all week, what you know you guys can execute, and try to get out in front the best you can to give you guys the best chance with each play and. And then, of course, it changes. What you think it may be on the next down the distance isn't, and you got to think on your feet. And, um, that, that's really it. You just got to react, respond, and trust what was there. Thank you all.
2: Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Did Jalen Steed kind of show enough on Saturday to kind of work himself into some more pass rush? Yeah, situations? I think.
1: I think um, you know. I think he's a competitor. Um, there's a couple things we got to improve, no question. I thought he had a really good practice today. Those are the things he has to do is just keep it small and stack good practices. That's what's going to lead him, you know, to where he wants to be as a, as a player and then obviously impact our defense.
2: And then going back to Saturday, did Marvin Harris's injury change how you called coverages or anything like that?
1: No, uh, not at all. No, we have a lot of respect for him, and uh, obviously he's an excellent player. But no, I mean, again, Marvin is really, really talented, but it's, it's, a, it's a good group overall, you know? So they spread you vertically and they spread you horizontally with their length and their speed, so.
5: Coach, what's it, I guess, Coach Freeman was talking about, you know, signals for when you have a man down, when you have a one man down, the what's that learning experience been like with the defense and just... Uh, yeah, uh,
1: so uh, obviously Coach Freeman addressed that um, publicly and then whatever corrections we made, you know, we made internally and as it pertains to anything defense uh, for the 2023 Irish defense, I mean, the buck stops with me at the end of the day. Um, if there's lack of execution or miscommunication or, or anything uh, that, that takes away from the, the, the execution and result that we want, uh, that's my responsibility.
5: What was your overall thoughts on how did you think performed? I mean, you got them to just 17 points in the last second touchdown. What was, a lot better than even a, a great performance last year. So, what was it? Yeah, your...
1: I mean, obviously, competitors, right? So, uh, gritty, tough competitors. Um, it's a 60 minute game. Uh, I think whether you're a player or a coach, we would probably all say, all right, there was one play that you would like to have back um, that, could, that could have tilted the game in our favor. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I need to do a better job with the two-minute defense, and, and we need to execute better, uh, and that starts with me. So, um, proud of the effort, uh, obviously disappointed the way it ended, but not, a, not discouraged at all. I mean, just, an, you know, just an incredible effort by those guys, and, and um, the thing that is refreshing to me, and obviously um, encouraging you know, uh, motivating, however you want to say it, is the way they came out in practice today to get ready for this Duke team, which obviously is a great challenge for us. The third and
2: 19 play, how do you balance playing coverage or yeah. pressure in that so field? I can
1: take you through a, a, a bunch of different scenarios for sure. Um, I went pressure the previous two, the fourth and, and the other third down. Uh, they got us on both, uh, threw a zone in there, uh, you know, and they completed the curl. So, um, you know, we got to do a better job coaching it. We got to break on the ball better. Um, we got to get that ball on the ground, you know? So, um, you know, we, we, we look at everything. Um, what I didn't want to have happen was, you know, we're, we're throwing a 50-50 ball in the corner to a great player. And um, so that was unfortunate. It's like, you know, like I just said, you know, in, in a game like that, you, you know, you don't sleep after it because, you know, what if I tried this, what if I called it? No different than you, than you do. Um, uh, but just, you know, we had tried three different things, um, and, uh, came up a little bit short and then obviously on that one, we got to coach it better for the players.
5: Coach, kind of take us through uh, I guess, in a prolific offense like that, the mindset of how snappy, you know, it is to call a player and read what they're doing offensively and make the call for the defense. Like, what goes through your
1: mind? Yeah, pressure? I think, you know, trying not to look at the call sheet, um, as much as possible uh, against a team like that and be no different this week with Duke. Um, Duke, uh, their quarterback does a great job. They'll get into tempo at any point in the game. Uh, Two very talented running backs, excellent receiving core, quarterback can distribute and run. So so we're facing the same thing this week, you know, Uh, and that is that they can jump into tempo like last week and, you know, we gotta have our cleats in the ground and execute. And uh, I got to do a better job getting the players, uh, get, getting them ready to do that. See one more. Kind of what, we talked about this with Freeman, uh, four 7.30 p.m. games,
5: back to back to back to back, you know, thinking about the logistics of that, or just the, you know, how to treat, how to go the body. No. How were how, you involved? No,
1: I don't, I don't, Coach Freeman's got a great plan, first of all, with, in terms of practice, um, in terms of their day off schedule, in terms of travel. Um, we, you come to Notre Dame, this is what you sign up for. So there's no excuses, there, there, all, all, all the focus is on having a great Tuesday practice for most of us, I'm not speaking for Jared, but for most of us, it's a, it's a early down day. So did we have a good early down day? We gotta go back and watch the film, um, make sure we correct anything with urgency, execute tomorrow on third down, that's our focus. So um, in terms of the schedule, uh, the only one that matters is the Duke Blue Devils, and uh, they are more uh, than, than a challenge. They're a really, really good football team, well coached.
0: Agreed. So uh, that was Jared Parker and Al Golden in order, offensive and uh, defensive coordinators for Notre Dame. Before that, had Marcus Freeman Zoom. Uh, one thing, it, they've been preaching a lot of positivity Um, This week, you know, trying not to try not to get on guys like they've like the coaching staff has. Just been. Getting out in front and saying, yeah, what happened Saturday, that's on me. What happened against Ohio State, that's on me. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't very used to that. Like it kind of surprised me a little bit. I was like, "Uh, wait, what's, what's this accountability thing going on?" What? Hadn't really seen that in uh, in the previous years. I'm just saying. Uh, coming up, got uh, got some suggestions for you as far as uh, warming up that uh, that that betting app on your phone and hopefully making your wallet a little bit thicker this weekend. It's all part of Leprechaun Lunch coming up. Sports Radio, 960 WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Also by South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for over 75 years. way to save money is to win money. Follow that logic, right? Let's start with uh, let's start with the college uh, college side of things. As I scroll on down, there's games tonight. Even we'll get to uh, get to one of those. Of course, tomorrow's game: Notre Dame at Duke, 7:30 kick on ABC, or you know, right here. Where people don't curse about the play-by-play man. Of course, we're all curious to see how how Notre Dame reacts to to that loss to Notre da- to, uh, to Ohio State. But you gotta feel pretty good about the defense. Still gotta feel good about the defense because they gave up just 17 points to a full offense full of future NFL players. Duke doesn't really have that on their offense. Just saying, quarterback's good. Don't, don't get me wrong, quarterback's good. Riley Leonard, he's good. He's good. But you know, top to bottom, good defensive team. Absolutely, Mike Elko. You know, defensive coordinator formerly here, Texas. A&E, I mean, he 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 has coached some really good defenses. All right. Of course, Notre Dame's defense speaks for itself too, which is why I think this is, this game's coming in on the underside. Last time I checked, it was at fifty three. So uh, twenty eight to twenty one, like my final score. Yeah, that's that's forty nine points. Yeah, I think uh, I think Notre Dame and Duke comes in on the underside. That's going off at uh, at minus one ten. USC at Colorado this point total is absolutely ridiculous that's a big noon kickoff by the way on Fox tomorrow if um, if you drew like a hundred paths on a chalkboard to how this game ends 99 of those lead towards the under and I'm pretty sure that a really big part of why that leads to the under is because the point total, last I checked, was 73 and a half! I know, you know, play, playing totals, it's a risk, I know, but for USC, it's a 9 a.m. kickoff. For Colorado, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. So, maybe that that leads to a little bit of a sluggish start here. Not to mention USC has also uh, pulled Caleb Williams in 75% of their games this season when they get a big lead. So, if Colorado kind of repeats their performance from last week and is getting absolutely demolished by USC, guess what? Caleb Williams is coming out. Should be out of that game by fourth quarter, you know, you would think anyway. 73 and a half. Good lord? Shit, that seven. I, I can't get over that number. Like, why would the. I, why does Vegas do anything, quite honestly? Six o'clock kick on ESPN has LSU at Ole Miss. Early week betting signals were conflicting. However, significant money uh, started coming in on Ole Miss on Wednesday. Let's face it, LSU is overvalued. Okay, so they beat Grambling and a bad Mississippi State team. Woo! And they also didn't cover against Arkansas and and Florida State. Rebels run game, yeah, absolutely been a little bit underwhelming, but when Quinchon Judkins is 100% healthy, and he's kind of hinted at this, these two offenses can match each other blow for blow. The mismatch is LSU's defense. 107th nationally. Good job, BK. A 43.4 percent success rate, below average and explosive plays allowed too. Giving up uh, 4.6 points per scoring opportunity. That is a uh, that is a problem with a Lane Kiffin offense. If I've learned anything over the past few years, that's a little bit of a problem. Two and, a half. Two and a half to three is where you'll find this game. I like Ole Miss. Uh, I'll I'll take those points and uh, and Ole Miss all day on that. Let's see, where where are we? Kind of kind of jumping around a little bit as far as uh, <laughs> my times go. Uh, Michigan is at Nebraska. That's at three thirty on Fox. Okay, Michigan's defense has allowed just twenty three points in their first four games. The strength of the offense of those four teams combined would rank 104th in the country. Wow. And we all know that schedule. That schedule's garbage. Nebraska's offense ranks number 90. But they've got a solid run game. Both teams run the ball better than 60% of the time. Both teams play extremely slow. And both teams have very good defenses.
2: Michigan's 8th in the
0: country, Nebraska's is 26th. You can tell that Matt Rule's made a little bit of a difference in at Nebraska. That defense comes to play, which is why that total is so low, which is why I'm taking the points. Michigan's a 17.5-point favorite. Um, I don't know about you. I, th- I think Nebraska's covering that tomorrow. I think Nebraska's covering that and then some. I think tomorrow's going to be really low scoring in that, in that game. A game tonight, 10-15 kickoff between Cincinnati and BYU out in uh, Provo, Utah. That's a strong home advantage. That's a very faithful fan base at BYU, and it's also really high up. But over the past six years, they're just a 50% cover team at home. That number kind of surprised me a little bit. Kalani Sataki has uh, had, had, he's done a nice job with the program in his seven years, winning twenty nine over the last uh, over the last three seasons. Not bad, not bad. Former USC uh, quarterback Kadan Slovis, who also uh, I believe qualifies qualifies for Social Security this year. Uh, a big upgrade, a quarterback, regardless for the Cougars. They've also got the better offensive and defensive lines, and they're still they're still the home underdog. Why? BYU in the points. I've got it at two and a half at minus one ten. And then Clemson is at Syracuse. Uh, that's a noon kick tomorrow on ABC. Clemson, all right. 2015 to 2020 top five two national championships they're still 23 and eight since but it's just not the same man i've got two acc losses already game that could have been a game that could have been should have been a winner if not for a missed 27 yard field goal i think syracuse is a little underrated in this game Actually, I think Syracuse is a lot underrated in this game. Clemson's a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I like Syracuse covering that. In fact, I kind of like Syracuse winning it. But I'll just take a cover for this. So, uh, On the pro side, Atlanta and Jacksonville waking us all up early. 9.30 kick. That's, uh, that's the first game over in London. You can find that on ESPN+. Atlanta appears to be very one-dimensional. They're averaging 128.3 rushing yards per game, but Desmond Ritter doesn't do squat as a quarterback right now. Jacksonville's coming off a bad loss to the Texans at home. They've struggled running the ball, leaning pretty heavily on the pass. Atlanta's defense, meantime, allowing less than 300 total yards per game, limiting passing attacks to 180 yards through the air. The, uh, the last seven the last seven games that NFL teams have played in Wembley Stadium, all seven have gone under the total. The point total is at uh, 43.5. I like that going under. I like the Rams uh, losing to the Colts. So, you know, Colts straight up. I like Baltimore covering at Cleveland, too. Ravens' injuries look like they caught up to them, but they actually played well in that loss. If it wasn't for four 53 plus yard field goals. Jiminy Christmas. But they get Ronnie Stanley back. Tyler Linderbaum's back. They've been practicing all week. They've got Lamar Jackson's mobility. That pass rush for the Browns, it's good. But man, they're going to be gassed by the end of that game. I like Baltimore covering the three points. And then Miami at Buffalo, which probably should be a primetime game. That's a one o'clock kick. Um, I like Miami. I mean, and that's probably me just looking at Miami last week and going, Holy hell, they scored 70 points! So that's my, my reasoning for that. Miami's a three point favorite. I would take Miami. We'll see. See you tomorrow.